Welcome to the Liberty Block. I'm Alu Axelman. We are doing another installment of the podcast series today on Articles of Secession. The book is available on Amazon. I think it's around six bucks right now. We'll see if we'll have another sale soon. In this book and the podcast and video series and the article series, I answer the most common questions about state independence for New Hampshire. Yes, secession. In this installment, we'll be discussing law enforcement. Now, I was not even going to write an article about this or include a chapter in the booklet about law enforcement because I thought pretty much everyone understands that law enforcement is done by the state police and local police and county uh, sheriffs here in New Hampshire. Uh, Now, there are some federal law enforcement, but a a person did ask me, and and she and a few others asked me, and one of them in particular was very um, intense and very concerned about how police, local police, would survive in New Hampshire once we leave the Union. Now, what's interesting is she supports independence, was at the, the hearing, she testified in favor of independence, but she also is still is concerned about how police would function, and she wondered if police would exist if we left the Union. So I did write a chapter for the book, and I published the article for free on libertyblock.com, and we'll link to the article here in the show notes of this podcast. So pretty much what I say in the article is police, you know, Local, county, and state police would be the exact same in New Hampshire if we left the Union. The biggest difference, and there would be two two differences. The biggest difference would be the actual police officers, the sheriff's deputies, the state cops, would keep an extra 20, 30, 40% of their income because they pay the federal income taxes and FICA and all that, just like we do. So they pay federal income taxes, I believe, meaning they would be saving um, 20, 30% of their income which is, you know, around $20,000 a year, maybe if they make 80 grand, 100 grand a year. So they'll be saving a ton of money. That would be maybe the biggest difference. The other massive difference would be that the cops in New Hampshire, local county and state cops in New Hampshire, would not have certain toys that were given to them by the federal government. So currently the Bearcats, the B-E-A-R-CAT, stands for like ballistic, super special military tank. It's like a massive tank. I'll try to link to a picture of it. Um, we link to it in the article. It's um, a massive, like, big tank with, like, big wheels meant for military stuff, I believe. It might actually be from the military, like, the excessive military extra program where they give the military equipment that's been decommissioned from the U.S. military to local police. So the in 2014, for example, the Depart- Department of Homeland Security, a federal government agency, sent $258,000 in federal taxpayer money from D.C. to the Concord New Hampshire Police Department, a local city police, to buy a Bearcat, this military-style tank vehicle hybrid. Um, Do you think that we could survive in New Hampshire without Bearcats, the police having Bearcats terrorizing us? And by the way, in that grant, I believe in the grant proposal when the Concord police, because they were competing with other police departments, right, when they formally asked the federal government for a Bearcat, they said, we need it for crowd control, and they... They specifically cited free staters, those, you know, those darn people who move from New York, Massachusetts to New Hampshire because they like more freedom. Um, they cited free staters and pro-liberty people at protests and essentially called them terrorists, saying they are the reason we need Bearcats because they're so out of control, even though libertarians overwhelmingly are the most peaceful pacifists who believe in, like, no violence or maybe only self-defense. So one of the biggest differences would be we would have no Bearcats. Same with drones. So currently I believe every drone that police have in the state were given to them by D.C. I don't know if it's illegal for, for the state to buy themselves drones. There might be a, a law prohibiting it. I know there are some laws prohibiting surveillance of public roadways if, if vehicles are in the roadway. 
because um, we can't surveil vehicles in public in New Hampshire according to our state law, I believe. But I don't know what it is, but for some reason it seems like every single uh, drone, like the Portsmouth Police Department has eight drones, all eight were given to them by the federal government, also the DHS, I believe. So in 2019, I linked to an article here, the Department of Homeland Security also sent $75,000 in taxpayer money from D.C. to Portsmouth so they could buy uh, seven more surveillance drones, making their total eight surveillance drones. Um, also, in, in 2017, the Department of Justice, again, D.C., federal government, sent $500,000 in federal taxpayer money from D.C. to New Hampshire police departments to apparently help them hire more officers. So I guess some of their hiring can come from federal grants. So the federal grants for some hiring, but mostly for these these uh, militarized vehicles and other programs like drones would not exist. So that would be a difference, and I think it would be for the better if we left the union. Also, it seems like all sobriety checkpoints in New Hampshire are done with federal money. Again, maybe there's a federal law prohibiting funding them, but all the sobriety checkpoints in New Hampshire conducted by the state and local police are are done with, I think, DHS grants or uh, highway funds, federal highway funds, according to this article. So maybe it's through the DOT federal DOT being given to state police or city police or our state DOT. So again, without the federal government in the picture, we might have zero sobriety checkpoints. I don't know about you, I could live with that. In fact, most conservatives, Democrats, libertarians, centrists, and undeclareds I know would be happier if we had no sobriety checkpoints. So again, that would be a difference for the better. What else do we have here in the article? Oh yeah, obviously the other checkpoints, while we're on the topic, the CBP and ICE checkpoints that we all love in New Hampshire are all operated, obviously, by CBP and ICE, which are federal agencies. Now, sometimes state and local police help them, but they're obviously conducted primarily by federal agencies. Those would go away. So if the federal government no longer existed or had jurisdiction in New Hampshire, CBP and ICE would not exist in New Hampshire. They couldn't be here. Uh, we would have no more immigration checkpoints. Now, again, this is something where not just the liberals, even conservatives, and libertarians, and independents, centrists, they do not like in New Hampshire because they pull them over and the burden of proof, as I explained in this book, coming out soon, the burden of proof is put on you because we're presumed guilty. So when they pull us over in New Hampshire, and a few of my friends have videos, I'll try to link to some, they've been pulled over by the CBP and ICE checkpoints in New Hampshire. They do them like randomly. They pretty much pull you over and say, prove you're a citizen. And you could say, um, the burden of proof is on you, buddy. Prove I'm not a citizen. Prove I'm a criminal. Prove I'm an alien. And they say, no, um, we're gods and you're a peasant. Screw you. Prove to me that you're a citizen. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, I'm going to take you away to jail or punish you. So obviously, the presumption of guilt is, is the uh, prevailing assumption by the government. So those would go away. Also, now, the, way, the reason they can do this, according to the federal laws, which the federal government makes for the federal agencies, so there's a conflict of interest, obviously. According to federal law, I think within 100 miles of any border, um, or any you know, port, water, national border, the federal agencies can have immigration checkpoints. Now, because of the way people naturally uh, settled throughout time and still to this very day is people always settled near water because it's easy to travel and have trade via rivers and oceans. So obviously, as we all know, if you look at any kind of map, the coasts of the United States, like New York City and Boston and San Francisco and Miami are the most heavily populated and Kansas and Wyoming are the least populated places. So the further inland you go, less, pop less populated. So if you... Look at the, the map. I mean, in the book, I have a graph. I'll try to find it. If you look at a map of the 100-mile border zone where federal government has given themselves permission to conduct um, immigration border checkpoints and, and um, warrantless stops and questions, um, two-thirds of people in the United States live within 100 miles of a border. So if you take 
all the coasts and then go 100 miles inland. I have I have a uh, graph here. I'll, tr I'll try to show it to you. I probably can because we ha I have a whole uh, chapter here on checkpoints. It'll be chapter 7 in the book. You may not be able to see that because it's too small, but what I could do is actually... Yeah, you can see it. So that's the border, and it's a pretty thick border within 100 miles going inland. That's where two-thirds of people live, apparently. And this is by the ACLU, so we, we know most progressives do not support CBP checkpoints, but I think conservatives in New Hampshire and libertarians definitely do not support those checkpoints. So those would go away also if we didn't have a federal government. Um, also, a, a lot of other victimless crimes would, that are enforced by federal government agents um, working together with local and state police, like the uh, Crypto 6 and all the asset forfeiture that was involved in that. So that's another thing. Asset forfeiture would totally not exist. It's a federal program that the federal government has said they've expanded and extended the powers to state and local officials to also do asset forfeiture, which is um, legalese jargon for police officers stealing stuff that they like, like cars, money, cash, drugs, whatever they like, houses. They take it. All they have to do is say, they don't have to convict you. They don't even have to accuse you of a crime, not even charging you with a crime. All they have to do is, the cop has to say, Your Honor, I thought that this property may have in the past or presently or in the future be used in a crime or be involved in a crime. So, for instance, if the cop thinks that in the past, present, or future there might have been any sale of drugs, even your grandson who's 16 selling one billionth of an ounce of weed to his friend in your house, they can and have take, taken your whole house. They've done this. I linked to it in my article, into the book. So they can take your entire house and everything involved tangentially. They could take your car if you ever used your car to drive from your house, right? So they can pretty much take anything. Um, and obviously all your money because it's ill-gotten gains because all your money potentially may have been made from sales of drugs. So they take it and they worry about charging you and convicting you later. So again, due process is flipped on its head. And that's why I wrote the whole book I'm super excited about called Presumed Guilty about how we have little to no due process in the United Authoritarian State of America. So all of that said forfeiture would go away. All of eminent domain, another program where the federal government says they have the power to take your property as long as they compensate you a little bit. And they've extended that power to state and local governments as well. That would go away if we leave the union. So police would no longer be doing that. Police would no longer be going after people for uh, federal victimless crimes like using cryptocurrency without reporting it properly or selling cryptocurrency or investing in cryptocurrency or not paying federal taxes. For instance, I have six friends from Keene who were arrested, kept in jail for months and are facing, I think, decades, you know, 20, 30, 50 years, life, essentially life in prison, all for totally victimless, nonviolent crimes, peaceful acts. And they're, they're being charged with federal crimes that federal police uh, raided their house for and put them in jail for, for months. And they still have them on strict bail conditions, like um, essentially house arrest and not being able to talk to their friends, not being able to use crypto or guns or drugs or anything, anything like that. Um, all the crimes are operating an unlicensed money transmitting system or exchange, um, selling crypto, buying crypto, uh, conspiracy, meaning planning to buy crypto, um, and and. I think uh, wire fraud or money laundering, which are, are BS, obviously they don't make any sense in this case. So those are the charges, all nonviolent crimes. So all those types of crimes being um, uh, prosecuted would go away if we left the union. Yep, here we, we talk about the eminent domain. Um, we talk about police officers saving money. Um, we, we can address prisons. I address prisons, courts, and other similar municipal systems, not just police, like fire also. I address it all in the article here and in the chapter in the book. As far as prisons, that we have state prisons and we have uh, a federal prison. There's a medium security federal prison, and um, 
a minimum security federal prison in Berlin, New Hampshire, but a total of 587 total inmates are there. Now, again, I can't predict it. I'm not dictator. I'm not governor. I can't predict or I can't um, ensure what will happen or even make a good prediction. But my guess would be either they would be transferred to another federal prison or they would be transferred to the state prison system. Either way is reasonable. And I don't know what the once we leave the union, what the federal government and the state government will negotiate at the table. There will be plenty of very serious, difficult, complicated negotiations. No one's going to deny that. And either those prisoners will stay in the federal system and go outside of New Hampshire, they'll be moved, or they'll, that entire prison might be transferred to the New Hampshire state prison system. So either way, totally fine, not a big deal either way, probably. As far as the prison being operated, most likely the, the, the cleanest way to make the break is is the state government would essentially buy that land. If it's federal land, we could buy that land from the federal government for, for whatever, a few hundred thousand or a few million dollars, whatever its market value is, or more or less, I don't know. But but if we bought it, that way the federal government wouldn't have uh, an island in the state that they own. That would not be ideal. And the same with the national forests and parks and everything. Ideally, we would buy them out and then it would all be part of the state and no federal land here. Um, similar with the courts, there are some federal courts, I believe in some state courts, Ideally, you know, we could tell those um, court officials, judges to leave the state and give them a few months to leave the state, ideally, and hopefully they comply. And then we can buy those state, uh, those federal courthouses from the federal government. Not a big deal. Um, because the person who asked me about police also asked me to address fire, trash pickup, utilities, water, sewer, electric, all that stuff. So I did. I address electric in the energy chapter. I have a whole chapter on energy policy. So I do think I address electric grid and other forms of energy there. But as far as um, water, trash pickup, um, I explained to this person, I included it in the article, but I explained to her also, uh, fire departments are literally totally local. They might get a tiny bit of federal grants for some fire departments, um, you know, but it wouldn't make a big difference. Because again, the actual people working there and the taxpayers funding them would all be saving 20 to 30 to 40% of federal taxes, not to mention saving billions on regulations or even trillions. So overall, we would be, we would be, netting a lot more money the net gain would, would um be a lot greater than the net loss obviously um as far as water and trash i mean water is private or semi-private or municipal that would be again um no difference if we left the union it would still be local i think it's not a perfect system maybe but i think it works decently well um it's municipal and it's you know not necessarily a total free market um but secession would make it better or worse as far as trash pickup it's mostly private here in, in my town in New Hampshire, it's it's municipal, so taxes go to it. But again, the federal government not being in the picture would not have any effect on that. It would still be municipal. I would still prefer it be private, but right now municipal works decently, and I'll work towards privatizing that later, but not related to secession. So we address mostly police in this article. I'll link the article to the video. I'm going to put this video on podcast in the article. And thank you very much. Check out libertyblock.com for more. Please check out the book called Articles of Secession on Amazon. Here it is again. Thank you very much, and have a great day.